get some music, Aaron? I was about to say, here comes some music. <laughs> Welcome to the Sprocket Podcast, where we are simplifying the good life. I'm Armando Luna. And I'm Joan Pettit, broadcasting from our homes in Portland, Oregon, nestled in the heart of Cascadia. This is a show where we bring you somewhat irreverent conversations about the intricacies of thinking locally with a global perspective, enjoying the best that life has to offer along the way. Covering bicycling, trains, and transit unicycles, adventures, and life hacks. And today, Jen Powers from Houston on air pollution and bicycles and measuring air pollution by bicycle. How's it going, Armando? Good. It's uh, the third day of a three-day weekend for me. So I kept having to remind myself today was Monday. It's Monday. Today is Monday. Yes, and, and do you remember what you texted me earlier? You texted me, it's Sunday. Today is Sunday. <laughs> Today is second and Sunday. I, I didn't know if he was messing with me. I did not know if you were messing with me, Armando. So I I didn't react till I checked. And then I, I didn't Good, know you if you knew <laughs> what day it was. <laughs> And <laughs> you should have just let him you, figure it out on his own. Oh, I, I, I would have totally slept right through this. I would not have have objected to it still being Sunday. I just would have been very confused. We had a uh, a big happening here in town last night in the middle of the night, and I am wondering if you all were aware of. The boat horn. That's <laughs> what know I heard. Foghorn. Foghorn. Everybody. Yeah. Saying. Yeah. I only. I only saw. I only uh, like heard about it this morning. I, I did not hear it last night. It was going it might have been a little too far away last night. I think. I think my dog heard it and woke up. I'm not sure, but all I know is sometime around twelve thirty or one, there started to be just these, yeah, foghorns going yeah. off on. Well, I didn't know at first, but it sounded like it was coming from the river. And I got on on Twitter, and then I found Boathorn Twitter. <laughs> it was quite a vibrant yes. place to be because everybody in town was awake, <laughs> and people were looking up the like Sea Marine uh, website to try to isolate the name of the boat to find out the name of our enemy. But yet, we were all having this bonding moment. But also wondering why this foghorn, it was a ship that um, left Japan a couple weeks ago. So I think we were all a little jealous of that kind of international travel these days. Yeah. It was. Yeah, I liked, I liked how people were relating it to the sea shanties that are going on. <laughs> we summoned it with all the sea shanties. <laughs> Armando, do you have a favorite sea shanty? I do not have a favorite sea shanty. Aaron, we didn't introduce Aaron, but of course, Aaron is here too. I'm always here. (laughs) Do you have a a favorite Uh, sea shanty? Does Louie Louie count? (laughs) I mean, maybe if you get on TikTok and make it one, it it can. It is a sea shanty though, isn't it? It's about like having to sail away and leave leave your lady. 
Oh, I guess it is, yeah. I haven't really thought through the meaning of that particular song before. Oh, yeah. You know, they figured that out. It took it took a FBI investigation to figure it out. It was that it was a sea shanty. That seems like a good use of their time. <laughs> yes. Recorded in Portland, Oregon, no less. By the way. <laughs> Wait. <gasps> Wait. Is that true? Yeah. You're making this stuff true. up. I'm a little I, tired I'm from the boat. I don't you. even know what you're talking about. I was up for a long time after this boat last night. <laughs> like, it's Sunday. They recorded things in Oregon. I feel like maybe I heard a whole story about that, and now I'm just <laughs> this was uh, This was a subject of an old, old episode of uh, Kick-Ass Oregon History. They specifically uh, talked about Louie Louie for a full episode. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Wow. We won't do that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Have y'all been on your bikes much past week? Just to go to work and back. Well, that's something. But. Oh, that's good. But I found out. So I put on these new tires, the the Schwalbe Marathon Supreme, Mm -hmm. which a lot of people are raving about because they're like that, that unique combination between uh supple and and puncture puncture resistant um they're great i love them i love how they feel they're not good in mud though (laughs) i found that out (laughs) tell us how did you make this discovery (laughs) well so i always put like kind of a, a knobby tire on the front and then uh a more street oriented tire in the back so the supreme was just on my rear tire and there is this path, this this way I go sometimes when it's really, really bad out. I'll take the max all the way up to Expo Center and then take uh, these trails into work. And there's When you say when it's bad out, what do you mean? When it's like, wet? If it's super wet. Like if it's okay. just so rainy that like my glasses will just get all waterlogged and I won't be able to see very well. Um, <clears throat> so there's a part. Between Expo Center and my work, there's a part where I could either ride a long marine drive, which is no fun, or I can take this completely off-road trail on the, uh, what is that called? The Columbia the River. Slough? The slough. Well, it's not in the slough. No, it's north of the slough. It's like right oh. next to the Columbia itself. Um, the levee. It's on top of the, oh, the levee. Yes. Yes. Um, but further west than any of the paved paths. It's just, you're literally on grass and mud. And so getting up there was a bit of a chore <laughs> with without any tread on my rear tire. and just sort of slid around, and I eventually walked most of that trail. Oh, I, it was bad enough that yeah, you ended up walking. Yeah, and I got to work, enough. and I had just inches of mud on my shoes. <laughs> and you're still riding in the dark, right? Uh, Not so much on the way to, but on the way home. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and on the way home, I usually just ride because it's along um, Vancouver most of the way, which is a painted bike lane. It's not separated, but it's a painted bike lane, and it at least gives some semblance of safety. I do feel like between the levee and the slough and the foghorn that maybe we should be thinking about having a 
boat-oriented episode of the Sprocket podcast. Perhaps, perhaps a whole month of boat. <laughs> oh my! We could put a hashtag oh on it, <laughs> and we'll be we'll be telling people to decorate their boats with lights. <laughs> boat bike month. Decorate your boats boat. with bikes. Yeah, Joe, you, you know, in a you unwittingly walked into a in joke from long, long ago. Did we, I? Yes, we invented boat month that just kept going for months. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't even, well, that resonates with me back in, back many, oh, this is a terrible thing to say, but back a few decades ago, <laughs> a few decades ago, I worked as a raft guide and whitewater kayak instructor. So did a little bit of NC kayak, flatwater kayak. I led some trips to uh, doing that. So, you know, I, I, I know boats a little bit. Boat month. Uh, let's hope that it is not boat month for whatever that boat was that was setting <laughs> off the foghorn last night. That was yeah, terrible. It was like every 30 seconds. I'm surprised you heard it from where you're at. I honestly <laughs> thought it was like somebody at, because I live, well, I'm on, I'm on like 28th-ish and Broadway. Um, so for anybody who's counting, that's essentially 28, 30 blocks from the Willamette river. Um, and so I, I honestly thought it was just somebody in the neighborhood, like literally like with a foghorn, like on the roof. Cause it was, oh, foggy was that loud? and I, I, I honestly thought somebody thought it'd be funny and it stopped being funny after like the ninth, <laughs> the ninth blast of horn. I'm surprised you heard it. Somebody so. who lives, uh, out past two Oh five said they, heard it so that's oh, really? what, five miles from the river i don't even yeah. know there's some correspondence of blocks to miles but i don't know what it is i don't um, know either uh but yeah so armando you didn't hear it or it didn't i did not hear it hmm. Hmm. that must be not. nice that must be nice just crashed good i'm glad for you I'm you glad. have uh, you have that big grocery outlet building to block all the sound yeah i was probably blocking it <laughs> But, uh, I have Katie. a bluff. I have a bluff. Oh, Jen's, uh, look, Jen's about to join us. All right. Let me admit her to our room. <laughs> Hello, Jen. Hello. How are y'all? Hello. Good. Excellent. So nice to see you. I know. It's good to see you, too. Hey, so is the mic picking up good? Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, Excellent. it Great. sounds good. Yeah, so I'm Joan, even though it says Sprocket Podcast <laughs> for my name. Nice. <laughs> and then uh, I guess let me introduce Aaron and Armando. <laughs> Hello. And we are already recording, just so you know. We well, it'll be edited lightly, but just you know, if you have anything scandalous to tell us, <laughs> nice. I'll go ahead. Go ahead and do it. Yeah, go ahead and do it. But I do have, um, so in my day to day job, we also do a podcast. And so I'm relying on you to do the editing. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> right so on. you're an old. What's your day to day podcast or your day to day job? Uh, Rules of the game. So I'm an attorney with the Nonprofit Alliance for Justice. Uh-huh. And we help uh, nonprofits uh, do compliance as they do advocacy around policy change. Okay. And so the. Rules of the Game podcast just basically talks nonprofit, geeking out on nonprofit stuff. Wow. 
Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, I this, think this week has been a lot, right? With the impeachment and <laughs> yeah, <been> a lot. <laughs> We've been busy. I think you might have had a pretty busy four years. Well, maybe, yeah. <laughs> but let's talk bikes. Yes. Yeah. Because that's yes. been my volunteer time, right? <laughs> so. Yep, yep, yep. This is what we do for, these are the problems that we solve, not for money, but for love. And Exactly. I'm totally with you on that. Yeah, so we will probably just, uh, so, so Jen, uh, can you just uh, introduce uh, yourself to our folks and just talk a little bit about the volunteer work you've been doing and the organization and the ride? Absolutely. So thank you so much for inviting me. My name is Jen Powis. I'm a volunteer with Air Alliance Houston, and they had this great idea to do a bike ride that they called Sampling the City, where the captains had personal air pollution monitors. And then we rode around the city to sort of take stock uh, from a public health perspective, how bad the air was as we were on our bikes, which was such a great idea. So how many people, so there were several different teams doing this and is that right? That is. So I was captain for the one team that ran downtown and we did do it on a Saturday. So traffic was much lighter, but we had placed uh, or they had placed routes sort of throughout the city. And if you know anything about Houston, um, you'll know that we have one of the largest ports in the nation. And so one of the rides went sort of near refinery row um, and you can actually see the spikes in air pollution uh, digitally. You know, they did maps after we rode these rides. And and if you think about it from, uh, you know, a bike rider's perspective, you know, I commute to work uh, not every day in Houston because sometimes it gets a little too hot for me, uh, but quite a bit. And just from a safety perspective, you know, what we're taking into our lungs, what we're riding next to, um, it matters. What, um, I'm curious about what kind of, equipment you were using i i feel like um measuring air quality is uh not something i thought about much in terms of like how to actually do it until uh this past september when (laughs) we had just Aaron's laughing because he knows why we all became obsessive air quality followers because uh we had all these terrible i mean they're always uh, forest fires, but um, I've never experienced in the many years I've lived in Portland what we went through in September, which was that the entire city was just shrouded in smoke, and and it was it was awful. We were really stuck inside. It looked it looked gross. It smelled gross. It was seeping in, and so you know, of course, we're refreshing all these things. So then I became aware of many more ways of measuring uh, air pollution than I had ever been before, but I'm wondering what you had on your bikes to measure or were you, you were carrying something on your bicycles with you while you did this? That's right. So airlines Houston received five or six personalized air pollution monitors. uh, And I can Google what the name brand of it was, but they were the size of my phone, my cell phone. And we clipped it onto my backpack and pressed play. And then it in real time took uh, air pollution readings uh, for, I think, uh, a variety of different pollutants. And so, you know, riding next to buses, the big one there is particulate matter PM. And that's the little stuff that can get into your lungs. It's like smoking. Um, Ozone's obviously the one a lot of people hear about, but that's actually confluence of two different types of pollutants. 
and so it was really interesting. You know, we would, I was leading, I was a captain. So I was leading this ride and it was only, you know, 15 miles, right? We were keeping it pretty chill. And uh, we would stop and you could look at your phone that was linked to the air pollution monitor and see the spikes. Um, and so then we were all t- trying to guess like, oh, is that where we crossed that street? Cause we were on a trail or, oh my gosh, you know, where, what do we think that was? Was that that cement plant that we just went by? So it was just this really cool um, mystery. So I think since we've done that ride, um, Airlines Houston has done more digging into the data, but you know, at the day of, it was actually just this really cool informative ride, sort of a way for us as bicyclists to connect this issue uh, to what we were seeing in our community. I think I would be worried that I would just be staring at the readout on my phone (laughs) the entire time while I was riding my bike because it sounds fascinating and also terrible. So I think there was this guy that was on my ride and he was like, I I just, I have to have one of these and I would check it constantly. And I was like, Ooh, I don't know. That might be really bad for your mental health. I think you have to like approach it with some sense of look, citizen science, right? This is, we're learning about what this is and perhaps it could change your route. You know, I mean, um, Houston's like any other major city. Sure. We have some bike trails that take you off street and then they zoom you right back on street. Um, you know, some are protected, some are not. So maybe you don't do the bike route that's uh, next to the buses the whole way and instead go, you know, three streets in, you know, it could really impact how you, how you route fine. So Jen, I had looked, I looked it up before, um, I went to your airline site and went to the, the ride site, um, to look up those devices, what they are, and watched a little video on them. It was really cool. <laughs> Isn't it? I mean, and they were so small. Yeah. I think when they, you know, I kind of got like suckered in, right? Like I'm a big supporter of Airlines Houston, um, a sort of environmental activist. Uh, I really care about the nonprofit community and also my community sort of uh, from my perspective, like an environmental justice piece, like the environment, it's not just the parks and the mountains, that you can sort of run away to, but it's your community that you live in where you're breathing and walking your kids to school and the city park and, and everything. And so, you know, they were like, Hey, who wants to lead a ride? And I was like, Oh, that'd be fun. You know? And I think I thought it was going to be this big like textbook heavy thing for a backpack. Right. And I show up and it's like this tiny little clip thing. I just slapped it on my backpack and, and hooked it up to the iPhone. And I was like, this is so cool. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just so neat. Armando, so I'm actually the on the oh. uh, Airlines oh, yeah. um, website, and it talks about the Airheads as a group of young adults whose mission is to educate Houstonians. Is that right? Houstonians. Yep, that's exactly right. Okay. So the Airheads is, you know, it's it's basically like the confluence of Bike Houston, and which is another nonprofit, which I'm a part of, right? And that's like the bike advocacy group, right? Okay. But but they were very focused on building the trails, getting the money from the city and the county. You guys are probably very familiar with the mobility pieces, right? How do you build into your planning processes better bike connections? Uh, And that was really Bike Houston's focus. And from Airlines Houston's focus, they're sort of the environmental justice and environmental um, sort of public health perspective. And they were like, hey, we need a group that sort of touches both of these, right? Because the air you breathe when you're biking, this is a problem. And, and you know, I want to give a shout out, right, to their executive director, Dr. Bakia Nelson, who also is a, a bicyclist, right? So she rides. And so she was like, oh, I'm just going to get a bunch of airheads on the bikes and we're going to do this like cool thing called sampling the city and we're going to spread it out. And I think they actually have a couple more coming up. They want to do it in some of the smaller 
suburbs of Houston, right? Like Galveston or Pasadena or some of those other types of cities. I like the, I like areas. I like that a lot. It's good. Yeah. That's a pretty fun, uh, we don't have shirts yet. We need like <laughs> cool <laughs> swag. We don't have that yet, but maybe this will be like a hint the, or the when masks. I send this. I thought you had the mask, right? Oh, well, yeah, totally. I totally have the masks, but you know, the, the masks you gotta have. That's, think- that's a COVID thing. <laughs> Not an air pollution thing. <laughs> Maybe it's both. I don't know. Yeah. Well, actually, that was something um, during the the uh, fires and all the smoke in Portland. You know that regular the masks, like basically a um, a mask that can give you some protection against COVID, is not necessarily going to filter out those teeny tiny little smoke particles that can get into your lungs. I mean, it was. Yeah, like the high the high end air filters were like sold out from all the like stores everywhere and 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 gas masks had been sold out or whatever we call them respirators, but that was actually from the protests. And so then when we had anyway, there are lots of bad things in the air all yeah, over. Learn, and so we have to learn more about the, the masks and what they actually do and different and what they actually for different do. events. Well, well, and it's interesting because it's also public health, right? And so it's like this Sort of like what I was saying with environmental justice, like, where do you live? You know, it's like you're still affected by this um, and air travels. And um, and I think that that's something that um, folks are may not always be aware of sort of the environmental justice or environmental racism aspect of this. And can you talk a little bit? I, I mean, I think probably I hope a lot of our listeners kind of know about some of these things, but can you talk a little bit about that and maybe what that looks like, particularly in, in Houston and how this plays out in terms of air pollution in different parts of town? Absolutely. And I think, you know, you can't talk about environmental racism without mentioning Dr. Robert Bullard, the sort of the father of environmental justice, who's actually Um, at our local uh, historical black college down here and has written numerous books about sort of Houston's experience with, you know, where did they put uh, the majority of the landfills, right? In, in historically black communities. Uh, When you looked at building freeways, right? You took it through the part of town that was um, African-American middle-class families, right? Because you weren't going to put it into this other part of town. And so just this idea of where we place things and where we've placed historically environmentally destructive things has really been part of this sort of culture of racism, this sort of culture of segregation that we've had historically. And so now how do you combat that? Uh, and how do you unwind some of those things when these are billion-dollar projects that uh, were in place, you know, 30 years ago. It's not like it's something that you can easily remove. So how do you combat that? I think is really a a difficult question. Well, I can, I mean, I know it's a hypothetical question, but I can say that one thing that is going to be happening here soon in Portland is that a a group called No More Freeways is going to be suing the Oregon Department of Transportation. So, I mean, it's, you know, this has been one of my big, you know, we have a, a freeway expansion that's on the on. Uh, they're putting a lot of money into trying to make that happen. Which I know that your question was more theoretical. How do we fix this? But no, I one think answer that I think that's an awesome. That is like the best answer, right? Because Houston's dealing with the same thing. There's this huge proposal to expand I-45, and you know, bicyclists, environmental justice communities. 
public health folks, people that are committed to transit. You know, lots of people have sort of joined in saying, wait a minute, this is like a $3 billion project. You could do so much more for mobility to get people in and around our community uh, in by, by spending the money elsewhere, right? Than just making the road that was six lanes, now eight lanes or whatever it is. Um, and so I think your example is right on. I mean, it's sort of how do we rethink sustainability and how do we rethink uh, recognizing that um, everyone in our community has a right to breathe clean air? Well, and of course, expanding a freeway has never actually solved congestion because it right. reduces demand. So <laughs> well, there is that. <laughs> there's exactly that problem right. too, that it also doesn't solve the problem that you're trying to solve. That's exactly right. That beat is that exactly drum right. a little bit. So that's... <laughs> You know, I have to say, I don't know if I have, uh, there are definitely times like on hot days, and I I know I'm saying that to somebody in Houston, and so in Portland, that means something very different, but (laughs) on the hottest days, I might choose my route a little bit differently to not go on the super pavement heavy, or I might think of a route that's a little more shaded, but I don't know if I have ever uh, consciously thought about air quality in terms of choosing a route or air pollution. So is that something that you are already thinking about or you're thinking about now more because of this? So are you from, a, you're a bike commuter or? Yeah. So from my perspective, you know, I have to cross under a major freeway throw pass, throw fair bridge kind of thing. Uh, and I am very conscious of that location. Um, and you know, you can smell the difference, right? Um, and so for me, there is no other way around it. I have to go from what we call outside the loop to inside the loop. And so it's <laughs> it's a loop. I have to go under it somehow. Um, but I think that what this, ra- this ride showed us was that perhaps little decisions could make a difference. Um, and then also, again, from that citizen science perspective, it's sort of you know, the airheads sort of taking over saying, you know, hey, what if we did this every month and we showed the differences, you know, over a year? What would that look like? Um, And it was this opportunity to also just talk about these little devices. I mean, who knew that these things existed, you know, without trying to create a lot of angst mentally that, you know, like what we were talking about earlier, if we check it all the time, that's a bad habit. It's like, don't doom stroll your... Air device, <laughs> right? Or doom, doom scroll, whatever. Doom, doom scrolling air quality. That does sound exactly. like exactly. it does sound like a compulsive behavior that would take off in 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 this time. <laughs> yeah, I think I remember that happening actually during the fires uh, during the smoke uh, in Portland, <laughs> where people yep. were reporting their their particulate matter and different things, and they were like, "How do you, how are you doing that? What?" what air thing are you using? And and then, you know, purple air and then the website and all this other stuff and all these devices that people had in their homes uh, it started to, to delve into that. But I didn't see those little cool little things that you used. Well, and it's good and bad. I mean, I think the more we know, the better decisions we can hope we can make, you know, as we invest our collective resources, you know, it's sort of your point to, do you really need a bigger freeway? You know, I'm not. I'm not so sure. I don't think I'm a bigger freeway. Say no. Gonna... <laughs> I'll say no. But <laughs> I guess yeah. I'm trying to be a little too moderate here. <laughs> but you're, but you're in Houston, right? So Houston is the, like Houston is 
the Houston Oilers, right? It's oil. It's it's the petroleum industry, and you're that's, you're in the middle of all that, right? That's totally. And Houston, you know, Houston is the third largest city in America. I think we've passed Chicago now, and we are 650 square miles. So you know, we're like five different cities packed into one. It's a sprawling huge metropolitan area because we don't have any sort of natural constraints, right? We're not right next to an ocean. We're not on an island. We're huge and sprawling. And so there are all of these roads, but these roads were really invested there to build out suburbia. I mean, you guys know this story of just this idea of investing in roads to allow people to get farther and farther away instead of investing in uh, the urban core and really making it more livable and workable, investing in transit so that we all didn't have to pay for a car and insurance and all of these things. And, you know, my hope is that we're sl- slowly changing that because we're, we're using up land at too fast of a rate now. Uh, yeah, there's just all sorts of, uh, you know, there was like white flight and uh, building these highways really encouraged white flight out of cities and then uh, lack of investment in cities and just, you know, just generations of, of racism that have, are, have taken a toll that are hurting everybody. Um, yeah. So I guess anyway, so taking a step back, I am curious as to, did you, were you somebody who was interested in, bicycling first or in uh or were you already working with air alliance as a volunteer like what's the what was the order of events and how did you that's a great question that's a little bit like the chicken and the egg i think and so you know i consider myself an environmental activist you know advocate um and so i was interested in all of these things and had worked on other issues around mobility, um, believing in this idea of bike trails instead of more cars, asking for sidewalks so that I don't have to walk my kids down the middle of the street when I walk them to school so I can put them on a sidewalk when I'm walking them to school. Uh, You know, these things matter to me about how I live in my community. And while Houston has this reputation for this sprawling city, You can also, it's like any other city, I think, right? You can find your neighborhood, you can find your niche. um, And so you can live somewhere that is more walkable, more bikeable, but you have to plan for it. (laughs) You got to really think it through. And so for this one, you know, this was really, I'm not even, I don't even remember how I got tagged, but I was like, yeah, I'll be a captain. That'll be cool. Like Saturday ride. Right. And, you know, I don't know if you've seen the pictures, but it was raining, right? It's December, (laughs) right? It's, it, for for Texas and Houston, it could have been 70 degrees and gorgeous that day, but we just, you know, rolled the dice the wrong way and it was rainy and crummy out. But it didn't matter. We still got 12 people and we were having a good old time. How many, do you know how many teams participated? Do you, I think there were five teams yeah. um, total. Uh, and again, they were sort of spread out throughout our metropolitan area. Um, they were limited only to 12 riders each really because of COVID, you know, we were trying to be somewhat smart about it. Masks were required. Um, all of those kinds of, you know, baseline things. Um, and we also tried to make the routes. I didn't try to make the routes. They tried to make the routes kind of easy. 
Uh, so again, 12 to 15 miles. It was all, you know, Saturday morning, very low key with breaks, right? We stopped so we could check out the monitor. Um, and, you know, for me, because I was familiar with biking in Houston, there's like a picture on the website, you know, we're in front of a big art piece that says we love Houston, you know, so it was, you could take someone who maybe hadn't ridden a lot and show them some of the cool stuff that Houston has to offer. Um, something your riders should totally know so that they come down to Houston. We have this huge project called Bayou Greenways, which is going to build out uh, almost 300 miles of off-road trails that will connect along our bayous. There's 10 major bayous throughout the Houston area. And they all go sort of west to east into the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, and it's really taking this land that was flood control land predominantly and putting a bike trail on it and, and just connecting it up. And so it's most of the ride was on that. Um, then we hit a rails to trails ride. And then we did some street rides, street riding downtown to flip it back, um, you know, do the U-turn back. But, you know, it was fun to explain to people, okay, so this part was paid for by uh, flood, you know, money. And this part was paid for by TxDOT. And this part was paid for by the city, you know, and just explain how we cobbled together resources to get some of these cool projects done. Uh I hadn't thought about Houston all that much uh, in terms of what it might be like to ride bikes there. I don't know. I don't think I've ever ridden a bike in Houston. I don't. Come on don't down. So. Yeah. I'll take you. I'll take you for a short one or a long one. I'll okay. sh- the city is well, actually a great town to live in. It's it gets a bad reputation. You know, some of it deserving. But well, I was um, just going to ask, how is biking there generally? Is it? So again, I think it depends on who you ask. So my commute is about five miles and it's super easy. And I'm on one of those Bayou Greenway trails for most of it until I hit the loop. And so uh, I have no issues. Um, Some people have uh, more urban core, you know, cars whizzing around left and right. Nobody um, predominantly following the law, which is to give a rider three feet, um, you know, and that's a problem, right? And that's just, I think, a continued cultural issue that that's why I'm, you know, again, so excited you all invited me on because these are things that bike riders are dealing with in every city. You know, it's nothing unique here. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds great. Those Bayou Trail sounds fantastic, like a really nice, nice place to ride. Um, and uh, so this isn't, I don't think that this is something that's happening. Like this was um, Air Alliance Houston's project. This was, was this the first year this happened? It, it was. That's the thing. I was so excited about it because it was such a great idea. They, they were like, what can we do during COVID to just talk to people about these issues, to talk to them about, you know, if you just get out of your car one day a week, you're helping air pollution. Um to, to continue the sort of public health piece around what we're doing to our air, particularly in an urban environment. And they came up with this and man, they knocked it out of the park. It, you should totally check out the website. It's airlineshouston.org. The project was sampling the city. Um, they're going to have a report up. It's, it's really pretty cool. It does seem like something that uh, people could replicate really anywhere. 
Uh, and it's a it's a really great idea. It's you know it is it's it is interesting because I had been thinking about um, yeah how do we how do we monitor like I would like to know the uh, my, the freeway expansion that's I hope not going to happen is pretty close to my house and it's right next to a school that one of my kids attended and I've long thought that it would be nice to just have an air quality monitor at the school and now I'm thinking oh well if I if I rode my because I have to ride my bike there when I'm bike commute when I'm going to work not working from home I could just check every day right and that's the thing about citizen science you know it's um there's a lot of value to that uh and then you know like for that school you could get actually a a quality assured quality controlled air pollution monitor at the school, right? And you can show that putting a highway next to a school is a bad idea. Um, so, you know, don't put it there. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they really shouldn't. But <laughs> it, can, it can go in lots of other places if you think you really need it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jen, how is um, Air Alliance funded? So they're a nonprofit. They're funded through donations. So if anybody wants to go to the website, of course, they can donate. Uh, they can support the sampling in the city solely um, if they want to or, or to bring it to their neck of the woods, their town. Um, they receive some foundation grants. Um, but beyond that, you know, it's volunteers putting time in and uh, them working with the community to show their value and, and advocate for cleaner air in Houston. So the ride itself was sort of a fundraiser too, correct? I think so. So it was partly um, a fundraiser, partly a citizen science piece for this first push, uh, in part because they were like, what can we do during COVID? Um, You can't historically do a sit-down dinner. You can't really, uh, they do an annual event in February called State of the Air, where they've just been keeping track over the years for air pollution in Houston. You can't bring people together right now. So it was, how can you still build community, which is really what they're about, and then um, do this public health piece. So, Our bike nonprofit um, used to be called the Bicycle Transportation Alliance. And uh, they went to a, a broader um, look at things. And so they changed their name to the Street Trust. So now it's not just necessarily bikes, bikes and people walking, things like that. But... Um, the reason why I ask is is because I know I'm generally aware of how they are funded by fundraisers and, you know, campaigns and activities and things like that. So it just made me wonder um, about the Air Alliance. That, that's exactly right. And I love that for the Street Trust. You know, I am also a member of Bike Houston. And, and, you know, I think folks have talked a lot about that. It's not just the bicyclists as a cohort. It's the people that walk, you know, pedestrians as well. And how do you expand our power and ability to get different types of infrastructure uh, for people for how they use it in their everyday life you know not just driving but people generally do other things too Um, so that's cool that it's called the street trust that's a great name scooters oh yeah (laughs) that hasn't really hit down here yet i mean i know it's kind of taking over elsewhere but we're still like b-cycle and you know (laughs) You know, we, we have, have the uh, Nike town, Nike, uh, bikey town, bike yeah. town bikes, <laughs> um, but they just went electric this year. So they didn't. They oh, that's kind of cool. Um, and now they are, which is sort of neat, but um, also the price went up on them. So, oh, 
We well, so, so like you might actually have mountains, right? So we joke down here, like you really can bike to work 10 months out of the year. Really? It's just August, September are honestly like, those are the months that are really hot. You know, every, every town you live in has like two months that are just, you don't want to be there, but you can really bike to work 10 months out of the year. And it is flat, 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 and then downhill both ways. I mean, <laughs> There's we have, there. I mean, we have hills in town. They're not, sometimes they can feel like mountains. <laughs> well, I guess the West Hills, that that can be a really big climb if you're actually doing it as a commuter. But yeah, you know, you just, you just make sure you have a, uh, you buy pants that have plenty of room for your chunky bike thighs. <laughs> <laughs> Let out the calf area just a smidgen. (laughs) That's right. The tailor gets like his 10 bucks out of the deal. (laughs) I need, I need a little more room in the thighs and calves. (laughs) I think though that it's pretty great that, um, cause this sounds like the kind of event that could have been a success any year. Uh, but it's just been really interesting to see some of the, I mean, maybe some of the silver linings that have come out of this time and some of the ideas that people have come up with that maybe would have been good ideas before, but have allowed people to, were forced into being creative and coming up with new ways of approaching things. Because this sounds like a great, or I mean, um, Aaron and Armando and I do organized rides all the time and well, not, not lately, <laughs> But um, all often, the time, really? all the, every day, Aaron, I've seen you every day out at an organized ride. Often in Portland, there are these organized rides. And sometimes they have, a lot of times they're just social. Sometimes they're for good. But, um, but it would not be a huge stretch to add another ride that's sort of for a good cause. And Well, yeah, I am I positive that Airlines Houston would love to connect you all or any of your listeners to this concept, right? Because I think as we think about air pollution as a safety issue, as we think about it as a way of talking about how we want to have a community that is more livable um, and healthier for everyone, um, this is such a cool way to show that. I'm totally going to get my son to do this. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. He can do it for one of his school science projects. Absolutely. Oh, that's, that's such a great awesome. idea. That's yeah. a really good idea. Do it for credit. <laughs> that's even cooler. Yeah. Man, now I need yeah. to get some even, kids I, and get them to do that. <laughs> I didn't even get a donut. I got nothing. <laughs> John, that's. I'm sorry. I didn't realize there was a dark side to your experience. They didn't even give you a donut. With all those calories you were burning. I know, right? No, I did get a thank you, you know, okay. and, and they're really, they're one of my favorite. They're like a mighty little powerhouse of an organization. And so, you know, they're, they're really phenomenal. And the fact that they could whip it together you know, I didn't think about it, but you're exactly right. Had it not been COVID, I don't know if it would have ever happened because it really was, how do we, you know, raise a little money? How do we get people together? How do we talk about this when everyone is clustered in their own houses, you know? So. Yeah. I think a lot of us are are feeling that a lot. And so having a reason to get out, especially when it's for something good is, is a, is a, is a good thing. And especially when it's on your bike. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry you aren't doing your 
uh, rides. You should just go on out. Although I think it's probably cold where you're at now, but we're rugged Oregonians. We, we, I don't know. The sun was out for a while. Was it yesterday or today? I'm a little confused oh, about no. the day. Yeah, it was nice today. It was nice this afternoon. I was out on my bike. So there was there was plenty oh, yeah, of the people sun was out a- today. Yes. Yeah. There was. Yeah, but we we've had. Um, I think. Oregon has been pretty conservative in terms of COVID. Um, and, uh, you know, generally that has been a, a good thing. But I think there's people really, starting in November, uh, people really sort of backed off of doing a lot of that stuff, not just because of the weather. We do get out here usually on our bikes year-round. I mean, year-round, because the good thing is even if even though we have – rain it doesn't it's not usually so icy or cold or snowy that you can't be out on your bike and it's not usually too hot that's not yeah kind of temperate yeah temperate with a little fog mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i don't know sometimes i visited fog. portland yeah that's, that's as much as i know we had what we were talking about before you joined us is uh, it was so foggy last night that there was a ship that was coming up the river that was uh blasting its foghorn every minute at about 1 a.m. And the it seemed to me, based on my experience on Twitter, that the entire city was awake and hearing this Exa- and talking about it. So. And was aggravated <laughs> yeah. that this was their choice at 1 a.m. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, didn't, it didn't feel like they were making good choices. Yeah, that's I hear so, you on that. So, yeah. Somebody was just excited he got to press the button. Yeah, yeah. Here <laughs> yeah. I am, Portland. Here I am. It's never it's foggy people. here. I get to do it this time. I've <laughs> <laughs> been waiting my whole life for this. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I want to make sure that we have uh, all the ways for people to find out more about you. So, and, or, or, you know, anything that we we've talked about. So air Alliance Houston is airalliancehouston.org. Um, yep. And actually this Thursday, January 21st, they're actually doing a film screening and discussion on the cumulative impacts of environmental racism in Houston. And they'll be talking about transportation and roads, you know, your thought about the freeway expansion um, and the executive director, Dr. Bakia Nelson, will be on that panel discussion. So that's on there. Um, people can look it up. Um, you know, and then I think if, if folks haven't really uh, read a lot about environmental justice and environmental racism, I, I definitely recommend Dr. Robert Bullard's books uh, because he has been writing about, you know, how we have invested infrastructure dollars in a way that promotes segregation for a long time. Um, and you can just look around your community because it's, it's pretty much everywhere. Um, and that, you know, is a, a historical fact, right? It happened. And so now we can, let's start looking forward and how do we invest our dollars differently? Um, and how do we hopefully clean up the air so that we're all biking and breathing safely? That sounds like a fantastic goal. Yeah. Well, thanks to you for the the work you've done with this. You're doing this work as a volunteer. Sounds like in addition to a lot of good work you're actually doing uh, for pay as well. (laughs) So, Well, thanks. I appreciate that. And I really appreciate you all inviting me on. I think it's such a fun um, podcast. And I hope, you know, that you 
spend some time learning more about Houston. You know, definitely Bike Houston has a new executive director. Bayou Greenways is a great project. Perhaps you need to do a trip down um, post-COVID and have I a have podcast about a bike tour here. after COVID. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think we're going to do a bike tour to all the places that all of our guests are. <laughs> Sprocket World Tour. Yes. I love that because you had World like, tour. you just had New York's um, bike mayor on, right? I mean, Courtney, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yes. I mean, how yeah. cool. I love this idea. So now are you flying the bike or are you actually doing <laughs> the northern tier route and then we're going down to Florida? Well, Jen, let me tell you about this plan. This plan just came up right now because I thought of it. And we had a guest on a few weeks ago, Caroline from uh, Bristol in England. And I got really excited talking to her. So decided I wanted to go there. But now I sort of want to go to Houston, too. So really, I'm making this path as I walk it or ride it, ride it. So... Yeah, I don't know. I don't have I'll, uh, I'll, uh, you know, somebody wants to map it out for me. Oh, and then we get to go, where's Doug? Where's Doug live? What's Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan. That's going to be one, the tricky one to get to. (laughs) We'll go see Doug. And and don't forget our good friends in Scuba, Japan and uh, Edmonton, Canada. So uh, we, we got a full, we got a full schedule. We got both hemispheres. Yeah, I'm in. So <laughs> are you gonna just open? It'll be like guests are invited. It'll be like a Muppets road trip. It'll be like a Muppets road trip where you pick up the people along the way. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm totally up for this. You all, you can pick me up on the way. And I've always wanted to do Houston to Florida Keys, like come like all the way across mm. and then all the way down. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Find somebody in the Keys for me. Or you. I mean, you. It's all about you. I'm yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So if we have any folks who are biking in the Florida Keys, let us know so that I can keep up this fantasy I have of doing some bike trips to all these great places. Yeah. So, well, thank you so much, Jim, for joining us. It's been really great fun to yeah, chat you. with you. The pleasure is really all mine. And thank you guys so much for sh- giving the shout out to Airlines Houston and this really cool project called Sampling the City that, you know, draws attention to these important public health pieces and environmental justice. So thanks a lot. Yeah, it's cool. good work. Uh, thank you. Thank I you. hope it doesn't thank you. stay unique. I hope it becomes common for so many other cities, like start adopting this. They would love that. And they'll help. So if there's right some on. city out there, give uh, Dr. Nelson a call. I'm sure she can get you the hookup on these cool little devices. All right. I'm going to bed now. Good night. (laughs) 10 o'clock my time. Yeah, Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, as soon as she said something about refinery and that they were a big port city, I wanted to ask if they had foghorns. (laughs) (laughs) I think that uh, this would be a good moment to ask y'all what you're drinking tonight. I just finished a cup of tea. Mint tea. Me this too. Is, <laughs> this is the most mellow sh- mellow show I've I've done. Well, not necessarily, but oh, there's a cat. Yeah, I just had a I just had a soda, a Pepsi. I just my cat is like <laughs> <laughs> she was just like breathing heavy into the microphone. 
I guess she wants. Yeah. I guess. I guess she wants to know what we're drinking. But so sorry, Armando. What did you say? Did you, you get were a screenshot? Drink- <gasps> I did. I did get okay. a screenshot. Yeah, okay. I did. Cool, cool. It's not great, but I did get one. All right. Sorry, Armando. What are you drinking? A Pepsi. A Pepsi. Yeah. And I just finished uh, a mug of tea. What's your tea of choice tonight? Uh, well, so usually I would not probably drink black tea this this time of evening. But as I mentioned, uh, I did not sleep a tremendous amount <laughs> last night right. um, because of of the boat. So I had I had a little bit of black tea, um, which I don't think is available at. The nationally nope. recognized recognized oh, top yes, beer I, bar yes. in Oregon, the Beer Mongers on Southeast Twelfth and Division. But it's a good moment to say thank you to them, uh, which has been open for many many days, and they are very generous, and we appreciate them, even if we're uh, not getting our tea from them. <laughs> You know we're going to turn around and find that they that they are going to start offering tea. I think I had a coffee there before, though. Really? Did I? I can't remember. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. Like back when the bar was a bar, that they would probably have coffee. You know, behind the bar as as like a drink you could order. Yeah, I I took out. I can't. Remember. It was a long time ago, though. This is not related to the beer mongers, but we were talking about air quality and and having filters. I took out. My, I was going to show it to you guys earlier. This is the the mouthpiece to the actual like respirators. <clears throat> it came too late for the for the smoke, and so my respirators are still in their package. I'm not going to open them until I need them because you know that's how they work. Yeah, I have mine ready too. But yeah, I went and bought like yeah. And then there are different kinds of filters you might want for something like. Oh yeah, construction or paint or tear gas. I went deep down the rabbit hole for like which respirator was best for <laughs> smoke slash tear gas slash whatever. Yeah, uh, we can be ready for a whole host of human caused pollutants yes. in the air because tear gas isn't gas; it's actually a particle, right? Yes. A powder, it's a particulate. It's a particulate that is now um. In our rivers. Yeah, how so, about that? Yeah, <laughs> it got that's all not rinsed, great. Rinsed off the streets into the uh, drainage grates and into our river. Mm-hmm. Just when you thought mm-hmm. it was safe to swim in the Willamette. Did we think it was safe to swim I mean, in the Willamette? People safer. do it. Safer. safer. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that's not going to be great for the salmon and other animals that inhabit our waterways so that's a (laughs) that's a bummer isn't it (laughs) that's a bummer yeah quick armando tell us a joke (laughs) oh i was gonna say we were talking earlier about what we were drinking i was so i went on my little ride today and uh, i have a friend that near lives near me and so i i texted her before i came home i said hey are you around and she's like, yeah. And so I stopped by. She goes, text when you get here. And then her husband came out and I chatted with him a little bit. He took the dogs for a walk. And she's like, oh, I got a, an espresso coffee maker machine, whatever. Do you 
do you want an Americano? I'm like, yeah, nah, that'd be great. And so I was imagining, you know, like an espresso Americano, you know, like a little tiny one. And she brought this huge cup. of Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and so I had that and we just chatted for a little bit. And then I came home and took a nap <laughs> with espresso in you with that Americano. Yes. So I, I think it has lost its uh, ability to keep me awake. <laughs> You've become uh, acclimated. Yeah. Is that a bonus or is that a concern? Uh, I don't know. I guess neither. It just is. All right. You know, we've got some headlines that tie in very much to the conversation we are having with Jen. Certainly. Okay, so the uh, first headline uh, comes from Street Roots, which is Portland, Oregon's award-winning weekly street newspaper. Yes. And it's a, it's a great paper that uh, is sold by and supports homeless and houseless folks here in Oregon. And uh, this is a really interesting piece. Um, the title is Charging Drivers to Use Roads Can Be Equitable. Here's how to guarantee it. Uh, this piece focuses on Portland, but I think it's applicable to everywhere. It asks the question... Or it raises this issue with the effects of climate change and social justice more visible than ever. And with Portland's road network seeing some of the worst congestion in the country, the question is not whether Portland should have value pricing, but how do we bring it to the Rose City without further marginalizing those who are least able to pay for it? Um, it proposes a few different ways to do that, to basically have a... Uh, congestion pricing or, or value pricing as it's called of highways in particular freeways and how to do that in a way that discourages driveway without um, disproportionately um, impacting poor folks, um, especially uh, from communities of color. Uh, so I was actually, I was really excited to see that in, in street routes. It's a, I, I won't uh, articulate all the arguments in it. It was, it was long, but encourage folks to read it and learn a little bit more about that issue. Yeah, it's really cool that they dissect the other end of that of like congestion pricing. It it does seem kind of inevitable to some extent, um, but I love how they address that other end that people who are against congestion pricing, maybe not for the most genuine intentions will push back and say like, well, you're just going to punish the people who are, are least able to catch up or are least able to, to pay for it. And I love that street roots addresses that. And I'm just going to like put a little aside here that if you are living in the Portland area and you come into Portland, into the central city and you see somebody uh, selling a street roots, Freaking buy it, man. Even if you'd never read it, like that dollar or two dollars or whatever you want to give that person, they know how to stretch that. And that's yeah, my that's yeah. my soapbox right there. They're a dollar and you can pay two or three or four as well if you want for your street routes. Yep. 
Uh, our next headline, what is the true cost of car ownership from uh, the TreeHugger website? It's way more than you think, and, and everyone is paying it whether they drive or not. Uh, the article looks at the cost of, quote, free parking, sprawl, maintenance, insurance, infrastructure, and so on. Uh, they estimate we pay $4,700 in taxes to subsidize drivers and cars. And uh, we is I'm just a general taxpayer, I'm assuming when they say we. Um, but it's nice. They go through each area, infrastructure, policing, uh, and actually put a price on what it is to own a car. And how much we pay for other people to do that. Correct. Whether we drive or not. Yeah. And, and how much, if, if that, if we didn't subsidize car owners, how much it would cost to own a car is just astounding. Cars, they're not our favorite <laughs> thing. Not always <laughs> the best go-to tool. Yeah. Hey, well, I'm trying to transition here. You know what? Here's some mail. We got mail. <laughs> hey, we got mail. Well, our first mail piece of mail is not mail. It's a tweet from a few weeks ago that we hadn't gotten to yet, but uh, it was really nice to read. So we're going to share this and toot our own horn a little bit. Uh, Peter Kuntz uh, at P Kuntz is a transportation engineer and a former podcast guest. Twice. He tw- yeah, twice, twice. He tweeted a list of top 10 podcasts for transportation professionals. And you know who he included on that list? Um, yes, yes. I'm, I re- I, I'm at a loss for like, I want to like give you a funny answer, but I just blinked. <laughs> it was us. We made the cut. Oh, nice. The Sprocket podcast. So thank you, Peter. Yeah, that's we, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for the thank you. mention. Mm-hmm. Also, via social media, Instagram, Junk Miles said in a response to our conversation about bike tours, super super interesting answers, Joan and team. Thank you. Joan and team. Should I be worried? Yes, because what had happened is that when I responded to him, when he asked the question, I just signed my name. So (laughs) This is how it starts. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You mean my takeover that I've been quite... Direct, <laughs> not so secret about. Joan, I think she has Joan and, now, right? He didn't say Joan and your team. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. He didn't say. <laughs> Joan yeah, and no, the no, boys. No. That was just me because since I was sending it from. <laughs> Joan and the boys. <laughs> I do not like that. <laughs> I don't think any of us. <laughs> go down. I don't think any of us want to continue on that path. <laughs> okay, let me wipe these tears off my face. <laughs> yeah, it was just because when I sent him a note, it was like, that's a great idea. I was like, I should say who I am. Because, you know, Aaron, you used to be running that and so i didn't want somebody to i didn't want to be pretending to be one of the other team members Uh. (laughs) in my my response this is Uh, not aaron (laughs) (laughs) yeah 
we won't say who, but it's it's not. <laughs> okay, well, this was another, uh, I think we got this via email. So Jay Lecco had a question yes. about studded tires and this Brompton. And we heard from Doug Cohen-Miller, a very recent uh, podcast guest, who said, I do studded tires. They are awesome for ice. They make minimal difference on snow. I don't have a Brompton, so I can't speak directly to that, but maybe some sort of thick neoprene cloth could be carried on board and placed over the tire where it would hit so it doesn't scratch. Is that referring to when you fold up your Brompton so the studs don't scratch yes, your frame? don't scratch up the frame. Um, I'll have a... a an actual answer for you, Jay, in the next few months, maybe? I don't know. We're having a pretty mild winter. so hey, I don't think we're going to get any snow. You don't think we'll we have, get any snow? No. Ice? We haven't even had like a hard freeze yet. No, we haven't. Knock on wood. I have, I have roses in bloom in my yard. Already? Or is it already? Or are they behind? Like, I don't even... No, and two different rose bushes, and it's not like I'm tending these rose bushes. These things just—they just—they just do what they're going to do. Yeah, volunteers. The, the plants are confused. Wow. Yeah, somebody posted something on uh, Instagram today here in Portland um, that were some uh, some type of bulb flower that is already blooming, and they're not are supposed sure? to till spring. I, I guess they were really surprised. Generally, I would not think of roses is a january blooming <laughs> right <laughs> i mean when's the rose festival in like may yeah. yeah yeah usually towards the end of school may or june right i yes i tend to think in terms of the school year <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so not january uh yeah it's been a well i i was i was lamenting this to one of my friends uh Carrie, who said, you know, weather is not climate. What's actually really worrying, though, is if you look at the average winter temperatures in Portland over the past, you know, 5, 10, 15 years. And, and yeah, my roses are definitely responding huh. to that. Hey, yeah, it's speaking just of, real terrifying. Speaking, oh, yeah. Speaking of terrifying things with the flora and the fauna, um, do you, do you have a bird feeder? Do you have a bird seed hanging out outside your house? No, I took it down. And do you want to know why? <laughs> Could it be my partner convinced me to take yes. it down? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Do you know? Uh, do you re- so? Do you remember the details of this? So. I'm going to get it wrong, and she's going to correct me from off mic. I believe okay. there's a salmonella outbreak. Mm-hmm. That sounds for, right. For uh, feeder birds, or birds that frequent feeders. Um, and for smaller birds, especially like sparrows or pine siskins. Thank you. Pine uh, siskins. Pine yeah, siskins. there we are. It's, it's pretty much fatal, 100%, um, because they're so small. And this is a bacteria that, uh, yeah, that uh, is pretty awful to deal with. Um, we actually, this is kind of sad, we actually took care of a bird in its last minutes of life because it had just gotten so weak it couldn't fly away. And it was like right outside our, our door because we had, for a number of weeks, 
a bird feeder sitting, hanging out. So general announcement, take down your bird feeders for a while. Sc- yeah, scatter might, the seed. It might be worth... Is it just here uh, in the Portland area, in Oregon? Ah, uh, good question. Oh, is the that original... just here in Portland Bay? <laughs> <laughs> She is saying that it was, uh, yeah, that's what I thought. She posted something about it being somewhere else in the Northwest. And then. Say it again. When you all. A natural density of birds. That's what feeders create. So it's oh, the birds okay. themselves that are spreading it? Well, no. So it's a good idea to rinse out your bird feeder, clean it out pretty regularly. And that's probably something that we don't necessarily do. Um, there's probably a lot more people. I'm con- I'm putting a few things together i'm making some conjecture here it's probably a lot more people feeding birds because we've had to sit inside and and not be able to travel that's certainly because we're home and we're trying to do more more things at home yep that's certainly why we got our bird feeders uh yeah me too and what she was saying off mic it, it creates a density of birds they all you know gather around there and so they're all sharing germs that they've picked up from elsewhere and then those germs hang out at the bird feeders as well you know how it goes we've all studied we've all become sort of uh armchair experts at uh at how diseases spread now we've had some experience (laughs) yeah amateur scientists yes 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 We've all become Mm -hmm. citizen science on on virology and, and how diseases spread (laughs) <laughs> uh, you know, we consult Dr. Google on the regular. Right, right exactly. <clears throat> yeah, so, you know, check your check your local, I don't know, like this would be a good thing if you have like a local Audubon Society or whatever. Yep. yep. See what they're saying about the best way to care for the birds that we have all started attracting to our yards now that we're home more and we need some company and we can't see people. And <laughs> we can't see people. Um, yeah. One thing they suggested was scattering your seeds. So if you've got some time to just hang out on your porch or wherever you normally would have your bird feeder, just kind of sit some distance away and, and scatter the seed. And they'll, and the, you know. Yeah, and that's great. To- so you can still feed the birds. The issue is that the feeders themselves are sometimes uh, become where this contagion is spreading. Right, right. And. Specifically, the Pacific Northwest is, is I guess, uh, the hardest hit. So those of you living around here, uh, take your feeders down. Yeah. It's it's grimy here. It's grimy? <laughs> that's, the, that's some technical. <laughs> from, from Dr. Armando. That's a, a bike term. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, so... Uh, if folks want to send us their thoughts, they can email us at the Sprocket Podcast at gmail.com. They can call or text 503-847-9774. They can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Sprocket Podcast because we would love to hear from folks about unicycles or bird feeders or air pollution or uh, foghorns (laughs) yes foghorns bike month how you are putting uh, lights on your boats how you're putting boats on your bikes how you're putting boats (laughs) we've done that on your boats boats on your bikes on your boats (laughs) how you're scooting with your boat (laughs) that i would love to see 
yeah, if you're doing that, please tag us in your social media because we'd like to see it. I, uh, what do you think? Have we, have we done it? Have we exhausted <laughs> ourselves? Are we good? Yes. All right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Armando, can you wait, wait, wait. Armando, play the music in your head, please. <laughs> do what? <laughs> That's me trying to do the producer voice. Remember when you were saying the music was playing in your head? <laughs> but, of, but of course, we have Aaron here tonight, so we get to listen to the music too. <laughs> Hit it, Guthrie. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm still playing it in my head. Well, I, hope, I hope it syncs up. Here we go. This actually reminds me of a different song, and I, I'll have to think of it at some point. The Sprocket Podcast is produced at home. Until we can get all that sweet, sweet COVID vaccine. Our website is thesprocketpodcast.com. Email to thesprocketpodcast at gmail.com. Call or text to 503-847-9774. Twitter and Instagrams at Sprocket Podcast. Hashtag Sprocket Winter Bike for those winter bike light photos. Thanks to Ryan J. Lane for our theme music. Hurtbird for our headline sounder. Marcus Norman for graphic design. And thanks to the generous support of our patron supporters and listeners. Shadowfoot, Wayne Norman, Eric Iverson. Cameron Lean, Richard Wazinski, Tim Mooney. Glenn Kubish, Matt Kelly, Eric Weiss. Doug Cohen-Miller, Todd Parker, Chris Smith. Caleb Jenkinson, J.P. Culey, Peanut Butter Jar Matt. Marco Lowe, Rich Otterstrom. Andrew in Colorado. Drew the Welder. Anna. Andre Johnson. King of Division. Richard G. Guthrie Straw. Aaron Green. Author of We Were Like Sons and founder of The Regrainery. Campsite. McNurse David. Nathan Poulton. Rory in Michigan. Jeremy Kitchen. David Belay. Tim Coleman. Harry Hugel. E.J. Finnernan. Brad Hipwell. Thomas Skadow. Keith Hutchison. Ranger Tom, Joyce Wilson, Ryan Tam. Jason Oftenberg, Microcosm Publishing, David Moore. Todd Grosbeck, Chris Barron, Chris Barron. Chris Barron. Chris Barron. <laughs> Sean Baird, Simon Pace, Gregory Braithwaite. Ryan Morrow, Duluna. Hey, that's me. <laughs> Matthew Rooks. Cacao. Cacao. Marshall, Paula Funitake Cycle Craft. Philip N. Spartandale, no relation. Mr. T, who never really left. Bike Initiative, Kiwana, Sarah G. Adam D, go dig a hole. Beth Heyman. Greg Murphy, Myra Martinez, Oso. Isaac M, David Christensen, 503. Byron Patterson, Kirsten Graham, Aaron G, Rachel Moline. And welcome back to our newest and returning donor, Jimmy Diesel. And thanks to all of our former donors who helped us get this far. Now wash your hands. And wear your mask. Yay. All right. 
All right, I'm not going to say anything embarrassing for Brock to include at the end. (laughs) (laughs) He'll find something.